Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 122. I'm Graham, I'm here with Luke, Cody, and Richie. And we have, uh, we actually had a different Kermer on, and now we have the younger of the two Kermers, Gage Kermer, who has a pretty interesting setup on his rig. Um, I think, uh, do we let him introduce it? I think that only makes sense. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, Gage, what do you what do you have? Because it's it's quite the quite the rig. Well, I have what started off as a ninety one YJ, and it got a little bit more interesting from there. I bought it; it was a little done up. Uh, it had fourteen bolt axles under it already, and someone's backyard cantilever that was pretty bad, but mm-hmm. it worked. And then uh, from there. It it just didn't have front shafts in it, no front drive shaft, stuff like that. But uh, I took it home, got some stuff going, figured everything out, got parts ordered in, and it just had a four O in it at the time, and got it going. And from there, it it kind of went further. Uh, it it did great off road, and then I knew I was going to want more power because I came from having other other jeeps with more power, and I decided somewhere along the line and it, it was going to get it but um i wasn't quite sure on what i was going to do yet and then it ended up with a 12 valve cummins power plant Jeez. heavy well that's a lot of weight in the front of a yj oh it is about after you get rid of some of the parts you don't need it's about 300 pounds heavier than 40 holy really shit. okay Actually, well, what parts bad. don't you need? Uh, AC compressor, and there's like a bracket, like secured to the block. Like it's not really bolted on; doesn't exactly come off without cutting it off. Um, there was one there that had to go for the AC bracket. I got all that out of the way, so my third link would come up and travel up, kind of past the oil pan. Um, which kind of sucked because I was almost hoping I was going to be able to keep the AC compressor, but. It wasn't a big deal. The YJ didn't have air conditioning in the first place, so. <laughs> Not so a that huge was ha- loss. With having that much torque compared to the stock 4.0, what do you break more often? Like, I'm, for parts on the rig. I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't broken anything driveline-wise so far. How? Um, the... I honestly, I don't know because one, it's still got a, I, I just got it up and going last year and I wanted to be able to run it some last year just to, just to have some seat time and kind of, you know, get some more motivation on like getting the rest going. Like I got a lot more mm-hmm. I want to do it. So I needed more seat. I just needed some motivation seat time, but, uh, to be honest, I don't know how I haven't broken anything yet because it's got the 14 bolt axles. It has chromoly shafts in the front axle. Uh, it's locked front. I got super joints in the front axle. And the scariest part is, is that the drive shaft has a double cardan on it. That's a YJ 1310 joint. What? What? Doesn't break. How? Because I beat. I mean, you guys. Some of you watched it, and I'm not exactly nice. And Did you see still, my 1310? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a I time bomb. That thing's gonna blow. Holy crap! 
well, I, I plan on buying bigger joints and everything and it's, that's all coming. It's just, I wasn't going to do it until I figure out my next steps here. So, which I, I've kind of planned out the rest, but, uh, I just wanted to get it up and running and get some, we wanted like me and my dad both wanted to get ours done and make it out to Jeep fest. It's out by us in Butler. And, uh, we got them done and we got out there. We had a good time. People thought it was a freak show and, uh, it was exciting, but that definitely helped for motivation. But yeah, I mean, as far as that right now, I, I can't even, I mean, with some of the stuff that I did when we went to good evening ranch, like I was hard on it, but there's times that I've been way, way harder on trails that are at home because I know I can get it out. I know where I'm at. And I just don't even know how it hasn't broken, grenaded, anything. Damn. That's fucking nuts. I mean, I I kind of made sure my angles were nice and nothing's like, nothing's bound up. That's the one thing. My front my front shaft is like at a really good angle. Like that double carton is almost totally unnecessary, but it was just stuff I had to bolt it together at the time. And uh, it it worked so good that I'm very surprised with how it how it does and doesn't break the any driveline parts. I mean, obviously, like I said, I want to upgrade all that stuff, but we're getting there one step at a time after getting it going. <laughs> and you were chooching on it, especially on like Copperhead. You just could not get up that stupid trail. Oh yeah, and that that there, like I was still running high pressure, and I never really even like dropped the pressures down too crazy, and there was. There's a couple times now, and the the rear not being locked absolutely kills it. Just, but I just picked up a new locker for it for the rear, and I aired down the last time we went out like real low. I was probably like seven or eight psi, and that helped tremendously on its own on that loose soil. Any of the rocks, it, it'll pull itself over anything with the weight of that engine in the front. But the rear not locked on some of that more like sediment stuff it just doesn't want to bite in the rear keeps spinning but uh well it's, it's just along for the ride oh yeah i mean at good evening not dropping pressure and doing all that stuff it, it really on the rocks like going up cripple creek it really did well but like i never i didn't have to winch any of cripple creek or nothing i was surprised there but that just going up copperhead yeah trail. i mean i was beating on it on copperhead a little bit yeah, that's that's an, the understatement of the year. It sounded like an angry D nine coming up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Um so before we get too far into the wheeling stuff, I want to go back into some of the technical stuff. You said you had cantilevers up front. You want to describe that? Because they're different than how I've ever seen them done before in a really cool way. Yeah, so when I bought the Jeep originally, it had like some super jagged edge like y thing it was like kind of shaped like a y uh cantilever suspension system in the front and it was just hinged off of a giant bolt on rubber bushings and it was i mean after i found out that's all it was because it looked kind of like bearings but it once i got it all apart i was like oh my gosh this is kind of terrifying <laughs> I mean, it worked, but I was like, man. <laughs> so I ended up kind of taking that all apart, 
when I had the motor out and redesigned all that stuff myself and uh, my buddy had a plasma table and I got all the stuff kind of drawn up, got it put in. We cut out all the parts. I welded everything up and then uh, built myself these new triangles that have different mounting points. Uh, there's like, it's super easy to go online. You can find, uh, there's actually some, there's, there is a couple YouTube videos on it and there's a forum on it that has like your uh, calculations for like the cantilever designs. There's, there's a dedicated cantilever forum. Oh I, yeah. Oh yeah. That's it's, wild. It's, it there's took a, me a long time to find, but it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the spring rate is on those front uh, springs? So they're 400 over 400, and they are, I think we figured that they are 12-inch coilovers. I think that's what they ended up being after I measured them. Um. The weight, I mean, how it reacted with the 4.0 was great. I ended up only turning them up um, like two, I turned the coils like two full revolutions, which brought it down, uh, like brought them tighter, more compressed about, um, I think it gave me just another half inch on mm -hmm. the actual like spin nut on there. Uh, and it, that was all it needed. It sat exactly at the same height after I got everything in as it did with the 4.0 then. Wow. So, wow. Now, this is, this is where you're going to be able to yell at me because I'm not fucking exactly positive on this. But I believe <laughs> that the way that putting singular springs over each other, so running like 400 over 400 or 200 over 200 works, is uh, due to the way that you have two springs butting up against each other, it should be a reduction of about 50%, um, I want to say. So it's like running a 200-pound spring rate coil in an XJ, theoretically. It's pretty similar, I believe. It's been a minute since I've looked at everything, but... It does deaden like it, it it deadens the travel through one coil to the other. And it yes. um but it that's it's that's how it handles it and I learned more about that from like messing with my side by side in the past and then that was pretty much the only thing I really had can like or coilovers on to mess with and then I got into this one and started oh. messing on it and it kinda As it dumb as it out. sounds. It's a I lot kind of, of <laughs> sorry. It's a lot of research, but it's it worked out. Yeah, it definitely worked out. I wonder what would happen if you would throw like a four fifty as your because uh, you're running your cantilevers parallel to the frame, like back towards the cab, if I remember right. Yes. Uh, no, they kinda angled down at like a I think it was like a 19 or 20 degrees like it's like it, they kind of go actually they go down almost exactly at the same frame angle that the frame dives at like where it starts to go down to get under the cab yeah um it's very close to that i wonder what would happen if you ran a 450 on the closer to the cab side spring uh, if you wanted to start going faster with it, I bet that it would actually probably take it pretty well because everything's really overbuilt on oh, that I setup. Think, I think that that would help tremendously. And we we are looking into that because 
I'm, it's not like I got a little bit of leaks coming out of those coilovers finally. So at some point I'm going to get them off and do a rebuild kit. And I'm thinking about ordering, ordering a 450 kit probably. I mean, it's a hard decision. It was either that or new coilovers all together. But I got some stuff I want to do in the rear first. So I think just a, a rebuild kit will be fine for now. Yeah, it's um, it's different. And how yeah. did you connect your axle? Because that was kind of cool to me too. I thought it was a sway bar link at first. So it is. I mean, essentially, it's just a big beefy tie rod. Like if you had double-ended high steer on your front axle, it's like having one of the end links for that. But uh, heim at the top, heim at the bottom, mount just on the axle like you would for a coil over except put it where you can fit it in my case i have cantilever because the axle is a little narrow to with that frame and fitting coil overs beside the frame even with the frame cutouts that like notch back in it really wasn't going to be an option because once I would get full droop, the coilovers would totally rub the frame. So that's kind of why instead of changing, I just decided to redo all the cantilever and make it all correct. Um, but even the giant bolt that went through the frame, I took that thing. I, I had a plasma cut around the welds that had it mounted through the frame because it was all the way through. I had to do that on both sides, pull that giant bolt out, re-drill it all the way through to a bigger size. And uh, Anthony and Jake, they were the ones that pointed me in the direction of a spare tire carrier mount that is like a trailer bearing spindle. And I messaged the company, they were right in Pennsylvania. I messaged them and asked them about uh, the weight. I said, how much do you think that if this was to hold a weight, how much <laughs> it handle? And they told me, I think it was like 3,000 pounds on each side. Or like per, per spindle, but 3,000 pounds on each side of that. I was like, I think that's enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm just playing with fire here. We're going to find out. And I, so I think rated than that because if you look at the size of the spindle with the bearings compared to like a trailer like it literally looks like the size of like your 5,000 pound axle spindle mm -hmm. so I think I think we have a little yeah, more with yeah, there you'll be fun <laughs> but I put frame stiffeners on around those like box the frame in up in there both sides inside outside down into the inside uh, just try to box that frame up a little better and Get it to hold be strong did you did you end up telling them the truth about what you were buying them for by chance um i did i did tell them and they were like that sounds cool but that was like the end of the conversation I didn't, <laughs> they got no clue yeah they, <laughs> they were like oh this is like a backyard guy trying to make something i was like oh it's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> ain't trying only doing over here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. Holy shit. Now, do you think you've noticed, like, do you think you could have gotten the same and or better performance out of just mounting the coilovers correctly with just, like, a heavier uh, spring rate? Um, 
if I had the width on the front axle, I I do think that I, with a heavier spring rate, I think it could have been about like the same kind of performance. Like it's, it'd be definitely close. I would say the one thing that I do notice is that it seems, it seems like it's stiff, but then like if once you watch it in action, like it, it reacts so well. Like I am more than surprised on how that suspension travels and works. And then the best thing is, is after I go through a boulder pal, I can drive down the highway at 70 miles per hour. That's fucking cool. <laughs> and That's it's seriously impressive. Good that it's like, man, I really didn't plan on working that well, but that was the idea. I wanted to be able to take this thing wheeling, beat the crap out of it and drive it home. So sick. I'm pretty impressed that that works so damn well. I would have figured it'd be like the stiffest ride ever. But... Honestly, I'm thinking the same thing, especially after like cranking it up a little to accommodate for the 12 valve. I was like, man, this thing, it's a lot of weight. But then as I was thinking about it, reading the forums, I was like, you know, maybe it'll be like a sponge. Maybe just, <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it kind of is, it works great. What is, what's the ratio that you increase by doing it? I don't know if we already talked about this. Sorry, I had to go run and do something. So I was gone for a few seconds, but you, you gain, cause I, you know where the counter, counter, cantilever, oh my God, originally like started from, right? Uh, so I, from looking into everything, I originally found it for, um, it's kind of weird. I found it from two places. One was like, desert racing trucks mm -hmm. and two was uh like low riders and drift cars really yeah that's so and that's actually where i got all my information from on a forum for the cantilever was a drift like pretty much a drift car forum that's sick they that's literally sick. there was a guy with pictures and there was like a little cantilever up tucked up in and his suspension was tucked these weird ways and there's a link going down he had the link tucked <laughs> down so that he could get the full clock on his wheels for drifting. That makes a shit ton of sense, actually, because yeah, because then he could just use the center, like the post going upwards, and allow for a shit ton of clearance for the wheel. That's yeah. fucking smart, actually. But these guys were on there talking, and they saying it's been happening for years, and a lot of guys were using it for uh, for that and for uh, like low riders setups. And I, I mean, I already definitely seen it in the past. When I first seen it, it was trophy trucks and all that. But so the from what I remember, again, it's been a little bit since I learned this fact. It originated in like F one racing. So back in like I forget exactly when it was. I'd have to redo the research. But um, back in probably the seventies or so, they were realizing that downforce obviously equated to them getting more grip. So what they started doing was doing like giving the cars more and more and more downforce until they were at a point where it was creating such a like intense amount of downforce that the suspension underneath them couldn't handle it anymore. So they came up with the cantilever design so that way they could multiply the spring rate based off of however the geometry you set it up as, which is fucking so cool to me. I think I actually, as soon as you started saying that, I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember reading that whole exact thing as well <laughs> it's fucking yeah. mind-blowing that it can like 
that's it works in so many different platforms between you saying like talking about trophy truck racing between um drifting and now rock crawling like it's fucking cool yeah it's just it's giving you options on moving something that's in the way and <laughs> relocating and giving you a hinge point to just travel it all through that so sick now how do you calculate out the um uh like amount of extra travel you're going to get out of a cantilever isn't it like a ratio of whatever the, you know if it's six inches away and then your bolt hole is three inches above the center so line you're, you're calculating off of your uh your uh like your spindle point like where you're getting your twist from um and most of the forums that you're going to see like a lot of guys are going to start off with the basics that like if you take your your 90 degree angle from your spin like your spindle uh from your cantilever bearing point uh if you go straight up five inches and that's your hole for your coil over and then you take from straight back down to that spindle and you go over like a 90 degree angle and you go out eight inches and you get that hole for your link mount um there is a calculation for like the the five to eight out of that ninety degrees, that it gives you, uh, it gives you certain numbers, and then you have I I can't remember it all exactly, but I do know that that's how you get the start of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That makes sense. Now that I'm thinking about it, it would be like, um, say, just for example, that it was like six inches and nine inches. It would be a one point five factor for the amount of load that would be going back into the shock and the amount of travel available out of everything. Yes. Roughly. And the more you step out of that 90 degree zone, it it changes it that way like pretty quick. Like things change quick when you're playing with that. So you really need to focus on the numbers. Um especially if like I mean changing that 90 degree pattern that that changes it not much. Um but then your big numbers that change are when you get inches away from your spindle point you get like say if you were at five inches and eight inches and then you decided oh, i want to change this i want to build a whole new mountain i want to make it seven inches and eight inches like that is going to throw off your cantilevers uh spring rate and tremendously like if you did that it's going to make it it gives you more leverage off of your spindle into your coil over so you would have that weight would relax more so you would have a lower ride height damn science cool. bitch yeah i was gonna say that's <laughs> fucking cool <laughs> it, it was definitely super tricky to get into and read up on but it was uh it was it was it was one of those things that i was really happy that i did it because it was like I mean, it may have been a one-time thing, but I'm freaking glad I did it because it was super cool to go through and learn, and now I have it, and I'd say, yeah, I built that because it was it's just neat. Yeah, there's something, like, there's something fun about uh, a, you know, messing around with a new way to do something that you haven't tried before, right? There's so yeah. much like, little things you got to learn and nuances, so I feel that. The part I found cool was just how, like, if you first look at it, you're like, what's going on there but then you start looking at it and you've got that nice plasma cut bracket so it's all clean and like the fab worker looks like it belongs there around that weird ass big ass fucking engine 
<laughs> that that was honestly like the biggest thing to me is it before I'll have to send you guys a picture of it, but the old mounts were just so jaggedy edged cut. I was like, <laughs> if you reached in there to do something, if you're working on it, you can almost cut yourself on them. I was like, why? Why are these this bad? <laughs> like, why couldn't you just pop out with a flap wheel and clean these up? You made all this time to do this and you couldn't just clean them up. <laughs> That's effort, my boy. But um, I mean, it was, it was definitely worth it to go all ahead and, uh, make them all clean cut and nice because i mean people look at it and it's it's definitely interesting to watch in action so we're gonna go more into nerd questions are you running a uh 50 50 balance on your coilovers 60 40 25 75 like are you set up for more droop or what uh so I am set up for more droop and less up travel at the moment with how I calculated uh, for off of my spindle point. So that takes in place of that too. Like you have, there's so much in there that you got to pay attention to when you're running those numbers. But so then you can also change that. Like after I was done, I had three bolt holes on my cantilever that I gave myself because the older, the old setup, you only had one and it just seemed like it'd be cooler if there was an option. Um, so I, I made it have options and then I got it all back together and it was at the original ride height that it was at before, after I did everything. And that was great. I loved the ride. Like I loved that ride height. But I had a big problem. My 14-bolt front axle is massive alone. And that Cummins stuck down so far and so far forward that the harmonic balancer was like, at full bump, it would contact the part of the diff. <laughs> so I ended up, I actually ended up offsetting my engine uh, about like, think an inch and three quarters to the passenger side and but the weight even at that the weight still sat right and uh, i did that to try and get away from the diff a little bit uh it got a lot of stuff that was on the driver's side of the motor away from the steering box and gave me just a little more room to work with everything it fit good um i didn't have to touch the firewall at all everything's Everything's in there. Um, nice. But the biggest thing was, is those links I ended up having to extend to get a little taller for the cantilever. So I ended up adding like two and three quarters of an inch to those links. I just ended up cutting them in the middle because their original size, like they were still a good size, but I was like, you know what? There's a whole dang 12 valve Cummins in here and I'm sure that it was going to take an impact. So I cut them right in half and I just leave them over top of them with a giant, like a bigger piece of DOM. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, I'll take care of it. <laughs> but uh, it raised it up. And the biggest thing now is like, it's a little tall, not too bad, but uh, some off camber situations you're like, Hmm. Yeah, I might not. Camber great 
get a little scared in some situations and you're like, I'll drive out of it. Now, I'm curious on how, well, I guess it really would still go back to the geometry of the front end, but I, I don't know. I feel like it would push down as much as, like, I don't know, my brain's still trying to wrap my head around this whole entire thing. Either way, my question is, how does it do on steep climbs? Does the 12-valve keep it weighted up front and you don't really get to, uh, you know, off-balanced, if you will, or how does it react? It depends on the steep climbs. Like, if you're, if I'm on, like, rocks, anything rock, it, I pointed up it, it pretty much walks up and pulls itself up over it and i couldn't feel safer on ups downs that thing is kind of (laughs) scary when we went out to uh jeep fest they have like these just these steep little downhills and they're not that bad but like that was the first time i really got any seat time in it or anything and i'm like oh it's just their little jeep trails well the one hills like when it's wet it's like dang roller coaster well (laughs) me and my dad are in mine because his was uh throwing a code so we just went for a ride in mine and we go down this hill and I popped it in neutral because like on downhills it would push through the brakes and I was already noticing that. So I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll put it in neutral and just go down this a little easier. Well, I start over it real easy and it was slicker than snot on a marble, man. And it just started going down this hill so fast. Luckily, it was like basically railroad ruts and we managed to keep it straight going down through the bottom. but. It's it's a little terrifying on some of the steep downs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was also running like 25 PSI in the tires because I was driving it on the road a little bit and stuff. So then I found like I, I went back to air and down and everything. And that, that has helped with downs. And the ups, the ups are fine. I don't, I don't have any really problem with the ups. I mean, like I said, all of Cripple Creek, it there's not really a time when it, it bothered me on anything that was going up. The only thing that I would like to do to better it is stretch my, like, I'm going to stretch my body and my wheelbase to LJ length. So it'll add about 14 or 15 inches. And I think that'll help tremendously. You're stretching the body with that? Yes. I'm going to stretch the tub to like a TJ model that they have the LJ. Uh, It's like, it gives you like a foot of room behind your, like right at the edge of the back of the door to the wheel arch just from factory so i'm adding like 14 15 inches somewhere in Holy the box there and then i'm going to cut the frame and i'm going to add 14 15 inches to the frame and then i'm going to totally relink the whole rear for a lot like a long arm link because right now they're like they're like two two foot links maybe a little bit longer than two foot links they're not very long but i mean it flexes yeah. good they're just not that long so i want to i want to change that stuff up and uh, make it more of more of what I want, you know, just something that works even better. Like, so we're going to get into a little bit more nerd stuff, but that's also going to help because of your tire size. Um, I forget what the exact ratio is because it's been a little while since I played with it, but I want to say that you want your link at least like right around. Um, it was like one point seven five. Uh, the radius of your tire sounds about right for your upper link to help control the forces going into the body a little bit better. So, like, I'm running a 40 and my upper links are 39 inches, and due to that, it just helps to keep the axle from wanting to, 
I forget exactly how it plays in, but I want to say it has to do with the putting the roll force into the body, as well as uh, playing into your... Or, like, it helps with the anti-dive, anti-squat numbers. Yeah. Or not the numbers themselves, but the way that it acts in relation to those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, like trying not to break off uh, some traction bars. Yeah. Graham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good idea. <laughs> the, the key is just burn it in hotter the next time. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's definitely right now. The links are they're short, and I plan on stretching the rear and linking it longer. I already have everything to do it now, and uh, I, I like I said, the, the wheelbase right now is like a hundred, maybe one hundred one. And I want to get to like a 114, 115. I think that'll be its happy place. It's going to be a long train, dude. Holy (laughs) shit. Hey, it's going to look like one coming from far away. All you're going to see is a cop's mug. (laughs) It already sounds like one. Might as well complete the look, you know? (laughs) Honestly, though, I think that like that realm's going to be pretty nice. Because that's going to be... You're running, what, 43s? Uh, They are just 42... Uh, not Dickies. They're the uh, Super Swamper, but they're just old ones. They're not the Sticky. Yeah, but I think that that'll be right about where you want to be because I think like 111's kind of like one of the sweet spots for a 40. So if you're going to be running like 42, 43s, 114 is going to be a real nice area to be in because it'll keep your breakover and all that stuff similar to where we're at. That's my last two rigs. I had a Comanche on tons and forties. Actually, it was on tons and forty fours for a while, and that one was a hundred and seventeen inch wheelbase, and it worked really well. I liked. I think that one acted more of like a like a one twelve because it had bigger tires. Yeah. Um. um but then my, I had a TJ buggy that had an LS and all that, and that one. I had the same 42s that I have on the one now on that one, and it had a 112 wheelbase, and that thing was a damn spider monkey, and it was anywhere I pointed it, it would just do it. So, I gotta ask, you know, how did you, like, get into all of this? Because you've got some crazy rigs throughout what you have now and in the past. How did you get here? Like, what got you into it? I just... Growing up, I mean, my dad was the biggest thing. He got me into it. I'd be down down in his garage, and uh, him and my uncle were always down there working on theirs, and they were doing competitions and stuff and always had their buggies in the garage working on them. And if I wasn't, if I wasn't at least sitting in the seat while they're working on it, I was, like, messing with stuff, staring at it, looking around, thinking the whole time, like, man, I want one of these, you know? And if if it wasn't that it would be my dad like hey hold this pipe you're gonna help me hold this so i can get it tacked in place (laughs) so (laughs) it was learning how to build them the whole way too um but then they they kind of had a dead spot they they i don't know it was kind of just life happens stuff they all kind of calmed down for a minute focused on their business and uh then i was growing up got my license and they were always into Sam Rising sidekicks. They weren't big Jeep guys, but then I just 
saw it as off-road at the time still and i was like ah, i'm gonna buy a jeep because i had there was jeep fest out by us and i was like oh I, would, I could go out to that so i started buying like cherokees and lifting them and then i'd kind of be unhappy with one sell it get a good deal on another the typical lift. cherokee uh yeah <laughs> owner <laughs> i'd lift another one get it a little bigger and i don't know just I sold that one to a friend and then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go get another one. And then had one for a while. Actually, that is a story. My very first Jeep I ever had, I blew it up in three days. God what? damn. Just holding <laughs> that limiter the whole time. Jeez. It was street legal. I took it off roading somewhere and I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to the temps. Uh, ended up like blowing the radiator apart where it was plastic at. <laughs> and, and I was in a spot where you couldn't get a truck to. So I decided to drive it to get it back out to a spot where I could get it like to something. And that is all it took. It cracked the head in it. Yes. <laughs> but so then I like kind of, we knew it was messed up and I just decided to end up driving it, like try to get it home, you know? So I was like, oh, I'm not even gonna worry about a trailer it runs, you know? And it was, yeah. it was like 15 minutes from my house. So I started driving it. The one, like we went back for it and I started driving it and, uh, I got about halfway home. It overheated to the point where it just shut off and wouldn't start. And I called my dad. They were, uh, they were not happy, but. <laughs> he decided to come get me with a strap and he towed me the rest of the way home. He towed me across a, like in our, like right where we live, we have like near Pittsburgh, we have a lot of bridges across the main rivers and he's just towed me with a strap down the road. <laughs> 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 it was like, at that point, I think it was like 12 o'clock at night or something. And it was like on a Wednesday and he got me home. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> pulled it right into the backyard and he was like, He's like, I'm not helping you with it. You better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so finally went out the next day and just tried to start it to see what it'd do. And it was running. I was like, that's, that's strange. And so I drove it down to the shop and decided to start tearing into it. Got a lot of stuff off. And then I broke a couple bolts and a couple tools. So then my dad was nice enough to uh, take the head the rest of the way off for me. And we got that checked and it was cracked. So I was like, dead in the water for a while just had my car and decided to uh eventually part ways with that jeep and i ended up giving it to that one actually already had dana 44s under it when i bought it that was my first one it had dana 44s and i gave it to my friend i was like hey if you find a motor all you gotta do is put the motor in this is your jeep and he was like okay so one of my best friends that still wheels with me today he's got like a full-blown bouncer now he, uh, I, I'm pretty much the reason me and my dad are the reason we got him into off-roading, but he, uh, took the Jeep. He found a motor in like a week, put it in and I went and bought an, a whole nother Cherokee, lifted it and we went out wheeling. <laughs> but from there, it kind of turned into, I was starting to focus on instead of just buying Cherokees and lifting them, I kept breaking stuff. And I was just like, this sucks put big tires on it go out break it um i wanted 
I started to focus on like, you know, I want something that's going to hold up. So then I started paying attention to like, what axles does this have? You know, what, what could I buy next? that already has better axles that I can actually start with and wheel with. And my next move was I went to a, a J10 pickup because it had Dana 44s mm-hmm. and I put it, I sprung it over, put it on 37s and, uh, I think I took it out one time to our local <laughs> trails, pointed it up this waterfall trail and it was carbureted. So it kept coughing and it had a brand new brand. I put a brand new, uh, Edelbrock carburetor on it. And my buddy that was able to adjust them and everything, he was with me and I was like, Hey, what if we turn this thing around? So we took it off in the middle of the trails, turned the carb around, and then it was able to go up stuff. But then anytime I went down steep stuff, it would shut off. Well, you and, can deal with that. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. It was like, it wasn't yeah. great. But no. I, was like, I was so mad at it after the first time out. I took it home and I posted it for sale. <laughs> I was like, I need something better. That reminds me, uh, I, I got to mention it because of the whole J10 off-road. We took my J20 off-road and the thing, I don't know what happened. It was, it was running hot. <laughs> and... <laughs> The thing kept blowing the radiator hose off. And I don't give a shit about that motor, because I'm not a huge fan of the 360 on it anyways. I didn't have the carbureted problems, because I do have a, a Holly Sniper on it. Very oh. poorly set up. Ha- oh, oh, yeah. Mine, That's mine like deal. a half-ass, hack-ass Holly. Oh, yeah, it's We bad. know the like, kid that I had set to, that up. I had to unplug the, the IAC, because it was reading so wrong, it just kept the IAC open, and it would just never idle, right? It would always just high idle, like, two grand. Unplugging the IAC fixed it. Now it's normal. <laughs> That's amazing. That was when I had it, but I didn't have that much money at the time, so I decided I just went with what was. Yeah, no. I honestly, I almost wish it was carbureted because then at least it would run on the road better. Not that it, <laughs> it's just like it's such a pain in the ass, and I know it's it's a setup issue, but it's it's just such a hack job that I don't want to deal with it. Um. But it does it does the job. Uh, but those things ride rough if they're like I don't know what sort of suspension was under it when you bought it, if it was just factory it was or whatnot. Stock and okay. it rode it rode stiff. Yeah. <laughs> just driving like, it down the road. The couple times I drove it down the road, I was like, I I bought it because I was like, Man, I could drive this thing down the road, I could go wheel it and then it's a I truck, you could like push it in it, yeah. I drove down the road once and I was like this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're um, they're fun, but n- <laughs> not comfortable. <laughs> no, stock, it was okay. When I picked it up and I was driving it around on the road, I was like, man, I could drive this thing every day. As soon as I yeah. lifted it and put it on 37s, I was like, what did I do? I had to go back. Shoot. All right, well, it was after the J-10. Sorry about that. Tangent. Um, after the J10, I actually, I kind of, I had like a Jeep Wrangler, a TJ for a little bit. And then I had, I just lifted that one and I didn't really have any friends to wheel with at the time. It was just like kind of me and my buddy that I gave my other Jeep to once in a while. And then I, I met some new friends that were like two towns over from me and they all had jeeps and stuff and i was already hanging out with them outside of school and stuff and they were like hey uh, a couple of us got jeeps we're gonna go hit these trails and i was like 
I got a Jeep. You guys want to go to our local trails, Wellsville? And they were like, oh, yeah, we've been wanting to go there. First <laughs> time I took them there, I'm pretty sure everybody broke something. <laughs> oh, so like, you're that friend. I, uh, uh, I have taken the role of that friend as well. Every time somebody gets a Jeep, they're like, oh, I'm going to go off-roading. And I'm like, you sure? Are you sure? Because we're going. And the next thing they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to break anything crazy. I'm like, I have never broken anything to where I couldn't drive it out. First friend goes, snaps his steering. And I'm like, well, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now getting out is going to be interesting. <laughs> well, the next friend was his uh his fucking rear uh pinion fucking stripped, and I'm like, that one's a bigger oof than the steering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god, it's always fun being that friend. Hey, so, oh. so at the time, it turns into I don't think it's that bad because I'm driving in big one ton stuff, hitting trails, and somebody's like, oh. You guys going out that weekend? I'm like, yeah, we're going out. And they're like, oh, we're going to tag along. And I'll be like, okay, mm. yeah, we're, we're not doing anything that bad. And then mm. we get there and they're like stuck everywhere. And I'm like, man, I forgot what it's <laughs> like to be in those. <laughs> I'm not in a stockish Jeep. <laughs> so at that time, what were you running? Did you have the YJ or the XJ? Um, so. Back back around when I started into like hitting trails with those guys that I was kind of like in the same age with, those guys all had XJs and uh, one of them had a YJ that he put on like 30, I think he put it on 36s or 38s with stock everything axles. Like he just sprung it over, cut the fenders and put it on there. And I don't know how, but it never broke them. And he only had a four banger in it. And when I tell you he couldn't drive it down the road because it only go like 40, that was it. But Holy shit, but he, he ran it. He would, he would rent a car dolly when we would go to Wellsville and he would, uh, unbolt his front tires and put them in the back of his truck and he put stocks on it so that he could put it on the car dolly and drag it there. What a trooper. I, I respect that guy. Oh, he, <laughs> He was, he always wanted to go. He was definitely down for it. And he was one of the few of them that could turn a wrench. So he was more than happy to go. But uh, nothing worse when they don't know how to turn a wrench. You got to learn real fast. Oh, we yeah. learned that with, uh, what was that guy's name, Graham? Yeah, Remember that bullshit? Oh, my God. What did he blow it, up? He blew up Caitlin, a fucking opinion. Caitlin got, one of my girlfriend got hit up because she has a Jeep. One uh, of your girlfriends. Huh? No, no, shut the fuck up. Okay, I'm trying to think of like <laughs> my brain was five sentences ahead. Uh, that just reminded me of Friday night. That's hilarious. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, anyways, so he hit her up and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm around the area. Do you guys want to go wheeling?" I'm like, and she was like, "Yeah, sure, sure, sure. We're going out wheeling this weekend. If you want to come, blah 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 blah." Well, we invite him out, and then did he blow up his ring and pinion, or what the Front, fuck did he yep. blow up? As front ring and pinion, and then somehow Graham got stuck helping him, and it was so. I didn't even up. have. A, I didn't even have my my rig there. I was just there to watch. So I mean, that's why I went down because I wasn't doing anything else. But yeah, was, we got down there, and we, uh, you know, I grabbed the tools out. I was like, here, yeah, this should we can take everything out. You just take the take the the uh, shafts out, put the stub shafts in, and and you'll be good to drive home. Because I think he was trying to go back to like, um. The coast, New York. Somewhere. No, he was trying to go out to the coast. I think. Yeah, he he had. To, oh, that's right. He was going deeper into Mass or something. He was continuing his drive after. 
Uh, and that's fine as long as you've got those stub shafts in there. So I was like, yeah, it's easy. Just take the unit bearings off, um, take the half of the axle shaft out, and just run with the carrier freewheeling in there with nothing attached. Easy. And you just block up the tubes. Uh, <laughs> so I've had, I've had the tools, and he's kind of like, you know, he just he doesn't react. He doesn't gravel. I was like, oh, he doesn't. Gave you a, gave you a stare. Instead. This dude doesn't even know how to take a tire off. Oh boy! Oh, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, yeah. I don't know. We helped him out. That's where some of the people started, though, and then you'd get them into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. This That's is how we picked up Mark Nibs, or part that, of like it. Oh, Mark can work true. on his own stuff. No, no, I'm not he saying did. he can work took on him an hour own. to do an axle shaft. I mean, do we really agree that he can work on his own stuff? Oh, <laughs> uh, now he can. Now he can. I'm just cooler than yours. Hey, he's it's cooler than yours. Where's your four link, bitch? I don't need a four link to be cool. <laughs> uh, I, I think that this this sport has made more people have the worst life decisions than most. Uh, I can name confirmed. a few that it has definitely changed their lives to uh, spend money on things like that <laughs> instead of other things. Yeah. <laughs> It's addictive, yeah. right? There's there's always like one thing more you can do, and like it's uh especially if you're using it a bunch and you keep finding your weak points, you're like I gotta fix that, I gotta fix that, and it just gets progressively more expensive as you go. Yeah, or complicated. That's, I think I've been wanting to avoid that. That was my biggest thing is I wanted to get out of stock, like more stock stuff, and get into, um. Like just something that's already like I I build it so that just that dumb stuff doesn't happen. Yep. And I'm still trying to get away from that as you guys kind of seen it. Good evening. Like I'm out there for ten minutes and I never had any weird thing happen to this thing yet. And then all of a sudden it just decides it wants to split a power steering line, like the factory power steering line. Just like, oh, I'm just gonna split that and you're not gonna have any steering right now. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> stuff like that. I you know, I don't uh, I don't I don't disc discount that as like oh uh you don't know what you're doing that that's just like freak no things, no right? that's just you know? like a freak thing but i mean it, uh, that's just like general general bolt and hose check i guess but uh you know i well, don't do many of those either hose. so oh put, it was a brand new one that hose quality china part yeah, yeah. i was like what the hell man <laughs> that sucks yeah, wasn't that the one that I grabbed for you when I went out with Jake? Oh, so it's uh, Luke's fault. Yeah, it's definitely yep. my fault. I touched it. Well, no, it that, well, that one, I ended up putting on another one, and that one was fine. I didn't even know. We ended up just deciding to do another hose because I was like, I don't know what's going on. We put new seals in. It just looked like it ate a seal or something. We took that apart, put it back together, and I'm like, why is it still leaking? Why is, it, why is the line still moving in my hand and not tightening up? And then... We take it apart, and I'm, like, shining a flashlight through the end, and I see, like, this barely hairline crack on the edge, and I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> like, why? It's brand new. Well, like, I didn't even tighten it anymore. It's just been sitting here. <laughs> but I think I actually know what did it is, like, that first thing that morning when we went to start, it was chilly, and I started it, and I had to get out of somebody's way, and I just... I turned like full lock real quick mm. and uh, like i didn't let the fluid warm up nothing i think it just was too much and 
split it. Cause like right after that happened, we started pulling out and I was like, man, my steering feels like kind of weird. Yeah. And it made it like 20 minutes, maybe, maybe 20 minutes. And I was like, all right, now I definitely can't steer at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, does that thing have full hydraulic steering or did you, uh, is it still manual? Uh, it's still, uh, still manual with a YJ box and it has the PSC hydro assist Ram, but I'm using the Cummins pump still and all that. And it, it works fairly good. I definitely think I want to upgrade it a little because I think, I think a problem that I'm running into for like fluid flow for one, the steering box to the Ram is like the idle of the engine isn't enough for the speed that it's making the pump on the engine pump to make the fluid out of pressure enough for it to turn when it's like at an idle. Hmm. So okay. I think I'm going to upgrade to a different pump and try that. Or because when I hit the throttle, like if I just barely idle up some, it steers fine. Like it's totally normal. So I kind of want to, I might just mess a little bit with idle too, but I don't want to make it idle up too much, but. Well, why not just go full hydro money? Cause I drive it down the road at 70. Supposedly, and, from the people's, we, like Mark Nibs, I've seen a post that uh, I have seen people doing, it and I've talked to a guy that does it in a JK. He said he drives to like Erie and back from here, and that's like a couple hours. And I was like, he's like, oh, I drive seventy to eighty miles per hour down the highway, no problem. But he's, I don't know what he used. He said he got some park, some part off of like uh, some machine. I can't. I don't even. It might have been a forklift or it might have been like a oh, forklift excavator or something, but it's a valve that lets his steering return to center uh, on full hydro. So yeah, it's like you, you can like, get a, um, what do they call them? Uh, like a proportional uh, valve? Eh, no, but it's a, uh, a load reactive orbital or something. Yes, that would be what. You're looking yeah. for a reactive. Um, if I remember correctly, as long as you're not doing single-ended RAM, you'll get very similar performance. Single-ended RAM, you will have very similar performance to a standard power steering pump. However, whichever side of the RAM, if it's mounted with your... Um, like the shaft facing towards the driver's side, will make it so that... Any input from that side, I believe it would be driver's side, is going to be a little bit squishier than it would be coming from the passenger side and vice versa because of the difference in fluid cavities. No, uh, so are you saying if it was a single-ended ram? Yeah, if it's a single-ended okay. ram. If it's a double... Having, having driven with Sean's, it, it's pretty pretty equal. I didn't notice any craziness one side or the other. Um, oh, I'm only talking about it. Like that, I'd probably just do the full double-ended and get it over with. Honestly, yeah, for the it's talk, easier to package, but I mean, if you can, if you have a single-ended, I, I, I don't, you can get the single-ended mounted up pretty high and out of the way. So yeah, it's but then you have a tie rod to bend. You know, that's uh, the downside there. Yeah, but I mean, mine's already up pretty high, which 
isn't too bad, but yeah. I'm kind of, that's another thing is like with that steering, I'm going to be running into another thing there. I'm, I have the problem of the 14 bolt front axle is the diff is just very in the way. It's just too far towards the middle because the housing and the tubes are like where it lines up. It's just to where it's got to be, but I, it's still too close to the engine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm thinking about going to an O five plus super duty so that it puts the diff over further. The axle will physically be wider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll actually be able to drop back down that two and three and quarters of an inch on height. So I'll get a lower center of gravity out of it. I'll get a wider stance. I'll get, um, cause right now I'm running three inch wheel spacers to have the stance that I have because oh, whoever wow. put those three inch. Oh, they're freaking huge. Oh, baby. Yeah. Honestly, I'll tell you what, I trust them because the one day my girlfriend was driving it and she, she jumped the damn thing up this ledge. Like just, I was like, stay in it. And then we came around the corner. I didn't have time to say, Hey, let off. <laughs> jumped and i was like that was the first thing that came to my mind was oh, oh man holy shit i i'm so surprised that those things have survived that is intense i every once in a while i take the wheels off and just make sure they're snugged up but yeah i mean that's all you gotta do to keep them alive plenty of people have have been successful with them and then it's obvious what happens when you aren't uh you don't torque them enough <laughs> yeah i i that i want to get away from them so that's kind of a yeah. a reason i'm thinking about I'm, i kind of get a couple birds there with one stone if i go to the o5 plus super duty mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get width i'll get to drop my ride height down it'll line up my drive shaft better um right now i have like i you might be able to fit a piece of paper between my drive shaft and my transmission's lip like the the metal lip (laughs) man it is it never touches it i don't know how but it is tight wow yeah the 05 would definitely help with that i'd i'd uh advocate for that swap yeah um, i think it's gonna happen because just that 14 bolt front alone i could pretty much pay for doing the whole thing gearing it and everything so by me there's a guy that will do 05 plus uh, with 14 bolts for 1600 i think it is for a bare axle that's been had the knuckles welded on and retubed so that might also be worth uh considering yeah hmm that that could be an option i i might look into that I'll just have to ask for some measurements to see where the housing lands. Yeah, um, and the way he does them is they're cut for the 05 Plus Super Duty inner shafts, so you can run a 35 spline 1550 off the shelf uh, axle shaft. So it's going to push the pumpkin further over as it is because it's already going to be a short side. You might actually run into frame issues instead of, you know, body issues. Just food for thought. Um, Cut the frame off. There don't need to be nothing up there. Uh, other dumb question. <laughs> but... I'm a cutter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, what gearing was it? I might have missed that. 
So the gearing in the axles is four tens, but they work well with the Torque Flight three twenty seven. Yep. Seven two seven. Seven twenty seven. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah, the Torque I Flight. Yeah, just like I said it, I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> two thirty one uh, is what you're thinking. I was because that's down the road here. Uh, yeah. So the, it has the Torque Flight seven twenty seven in it, and we. I checked on all the gearing on all that and uh, looked into like what the RPM is for a Cummins, like for that year of a Cummins going down the road and looked into all that and found it and kind of had to do the math on it and came out. Like I had four tens and I was getting ready to order like four eighty eights or something. And then all of a sudden I'm like looking into it and I'm like, I, I figured out the number was going to be like uh, 2200 RPM at like 70. So I had another Cummins at the time that I built it. So I took it down the road and it was at 2100. And I was like, I'm not gearing freaking anything. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to run it. Yeah. <laughs> and it works, especially with the doubler. I, I have that Ford. Uh, I got the 727 to the uh, 205, North, the Northwest Fab Eco Box in it. Oh, gotcha. Yep. And then it goes to that Ford 205. And I got a triple stick set up for it so I can have front dig and everything. I just didn't didn't get there yet when we were at Good Evening. I that was still kind of test trips, but mm-hmm. uh, I got all that stuff to get get all that done. Um, but I mean, with all that gearing and everything so far, I'm really happy with how it drives down the road, and I'm happy with the off road ability. The whole time we were at Good Evening Ranch, I was only in uh, I was in low low so if i and you most of the time like second gear so if i put it in low range single low range instead of double low range and went for like first gear i'd probably be or second i mean i could pick up wheel speed where i'd need it or whatever it Mm -hmm. it'll power through it that's a good combo though too because you don't really have a high you don't have much of an rpm range so you really need to pick your gear ratio for what you're doing uh and the four tens in the axle definitely give you uh options for high range right if you had geared that low it would have been probably would have been much more miserable in that low low it would have just been like super slow i think it would have been a a turtle and for one (laughs) in like first gear it like i can 100 percent get out walk beside it like it's (laughs) it's ridiculous but you can't even like stop it in first gear idling like it's like it just pushes through it yeah <laughs> in that low low but if you run it in like regular high it's like you can drive stop slow down everything it's normal but mm-hmm. some of that hardcore stuff it uh you start to notice that you're like man it'd be cooler if i had some hydro boost so um <laughs> this is entirely unrelated and going back to the dana 60 thing because i was doing some google research if you get f550 gear sets they're a 10-inch ring and pinion for a Dana 60, but it will get you up to the, um, I believe it's the 37 spline pinion, which with the amount of torque that you're putting into stuff would not be a terrible upgrade. And the gear sets are actually surprisingly not terribly expensive. They're like 360 bucks compared to 320 bucks for a normal gear what's set the, what's the manufacturer is that spicer uh yeah you can get them through spicer or yukon 
I go Spicer. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, even as well. You know, just as a uh, tan- off tangent, but instead of getting a 14 bolt and doing all of that work, if you can get a Super Duty 60, that's a really cheap upgrade for a bigger pinion. Oh, absolutely. It's like I- I'm gonna try to find a setup where I can go. There's there's a guy with that's my dad and Anthony and stuff know that they just my dad just bought a couple like 305 plus super duties and I was like, "Wait, you trying to share?" fine. <laughs> 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 He's like, "You want something? You want one? I'll get a hold of him." I was like, "That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I tried to help my brother-in-law negotiate a deal this past weekend and offer him like $1500 less in a set of 05 plus super duties. The kid's like, "No, nah, I just want cash." And I'm like, Bro, what do you mean? I was like, these are that's straight cash. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, all right, you're not a man of culture. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I don't know. That. Everybody's trying to sell those things for way too much. They're cheap, cheap, cheap. We're not putting oh, them in trucks. The guy, the guy that they're getting them from, they're getting them for like, I think they said like three hundred bucks a front axle. Yeah, that's yeah. expensive. Yeah, but that's, I mean. No, that's not bad. That's that's reasonable price, especially if it's got okay uh, brakes and shit on it. On any, if you just go on marketplace and you type them in right now, everybody's trying to get at least eight hundred to a thousand for it. Oh yeah, it's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. It's total bullshit. Nobody's buying that shit. No, I'm like, I ain't buying. No, Seagram. Now you're gonna make me sell them just to prove a point. People will buy them for that price. Those JK idiots that are like, oh, why do I spend ten thousand dollars on a set? No, of you're not allowed to sell those. Those you're gonna keep those right where they are, and then I'll pay you two hundred dollars for them for the J20. You can suck my dick. You'll sit in the dirt <laughs> for that price. Absolutely fucking not. Oh, so you can meet in the middle at three hundred. Nah. <laughs> yeah, no. we can meet there. I could do that. No, that's a fair price. Minimum eight hundred. Minimum. <laughs> no, that's nah, that's the homie sorry, deal. I know what you paid for those. I don't give a fuck. They'll sit in yard. the dirt. We can talk off podcast. They'll sit in the dirt for that price. <laughs> you want to know how much they're going for around me? How much? I'm about to ship them down to Luke. What's up, Luke? A rear Sterling is going for a G note. Oh, they going down south. Fuck you, Graham. Uh, they going uh, down. I charge a thousand an axle to bring them down. Front axle oh, is going for fifteen hundred. Obviously, that's the here. It's Jesus. If somebody just hasn't posted, that's all I see on prices, and that's why I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying that. No. Now, that's not your, like, knowing someone or junkyard price, obviously. I'm sure that you can get them for cheaper if you go to a junkyard and you find the right place, but that's just the Facebook marketplace. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the 100% the marketplace post number. But we now that they got this other guy that's managing to get them this stuff, I'm I'm happy with that price to pick up one for 300 bucks and start. Yeah, game. but yeah. I want to see if he can get me one of the 05 plus rears too, because I think some of them come with uh, backwalkers. Oh, you don't want to do that, buddy. No, you don't no, want the-, the fuck you don't. Um, they're actually Jeez. a really good locker, but you don't want to run it with the amount of torque that you're putting through it. They have a problem with blowing up and lifted power strokes. Mm. Uh, never mind a Cummins powered YJ on third or yeah on forty two swampers that will be toast. <laughs> like yeah. there are dudes that are breaking them on thirty sevens with you know a factory six seven. Yeah, 
So like, I mean, I can I can pretty much change to what I mean as long as I get any normal full width rear. They yeah. met when they built my front. My rear fourteen bolt is like an old dually fourteen bolt off like a service truck, and it's it's more narrow. So they match the front width to the rear one. And the Jeep was originally built in Pennsylvania, and they built super wide fender flares. And I think the whole plan was to keep the tires under the fenders to be street legal in Pennsylvania entirely. I guess that kind Name. of makes sense, but it's still a terrible idea. Um, yes. Also, yes. street legal does not mean, or not street legal doesn't mean not roadworthy. Hey. Yeah. That and fourteen or like the fourteen bolt front full custom axle mm. that somebody just built, and like I mean, for one, that is technically not street legal, especially. <laughs> but there like, is no laws that say you can't build your own on, axle housing. <laughs> then focusing on being narrow, I was like, why? Yeah. I don't under, I don't understand the the narrow axle stuff. Well, I don't like I don't understand a narrowed a, uh like front rear axle combo to like keep things in line. Like it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's definitely going to change. I mean, I'm happy with everything. Everything works good. It's totally strong. Can't complain, but yeah. It's uh there's extra a change. hassle. There's a change. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I don't That's, know I think how it's going to stand really nice with the with an 05 and it already does sit nice but i with a little bit of extra width i think it'll be uh and lower it'll be a monster no uh, I, I that's the biggest thing i want that stretch lower and that width i think it'd be i think it'd be yeah. way better than and it already does great but i think it'd be way better how do you feel about spools The reason that I bring that up is that there is a company out there that is starting to make thir or, uh, 10 5 spools to accept factory 37 spline shafts. So you can literally get Ford factory F450 shafts and slide them in, uh, or I'm sorry, not F450, the newer F350 shafts, and they mm. will just slide right in, uh, and they're like 150 bucks a piece from Ford. That's actually pretty cheap. That is really cheap. Yeah. Damn. Uh, it's a good time to be super duty swapping stuff. Yeah. I mean, that definitely helps put things in the right direction. Um, like, I'm running the 04s, and there's not really, like, a lot more that I can do besides what you could do onto the older style axles, but... In the rear, I could still do that upgrade, and it would be pretty sweet. I just, I'm running welded because I'm poor, and it hold or it's held up really well for me. I'm hey, not going to say for Graham. Poor is all mm -hmm. you. But I had my front axle is welded, but I can unlock the hub, so I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I um, I took some three quarter inch plate and I cut it to fit over the. Um, like in the gap area, if you will, around the uh, spider gears, and then laid that in there, and yeah, Jeremy well, Downs welded all that shit together. That's exactly how I closed mine up. It worked worked great. It's going four years of rev limiter, and knock on wood, it's okay. 
five to six seems to be the the Your, yours is a lot the lighter than time. Mine, the front i don't think you'll have as much problem especially having a smaller tire than me too that'll I, if i'm not having problems i think you're gonna be <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. I blew mine yeah, up on, uh, on thirty sevens. <laughs> Split it in half. It wasn't the no. In in its defense, it wasn't the uh, the welded diff's fault. It was the heat applied to the carrier by welding the diff that cracked the casting and split it in half. Yeah. Uh, so I had two halves of the carrier going in different or not moving in unison. Uh, I seriously it, wonder if you bent the um, the housing. I have no clue, and because, I'll never know because the scrapyard took it yeah. against my will. Fuckers. Just thinking about it, though, if you bent the housing somehow, uh, that would explain why it did what it did twice. What do you mean? Oh, blow oh. that up? No, I know why. It, the second time, I know why it blew up, and Jacob does too. Uh, that was a shit gear install. I was like bonafide, like, garbage gear install. Like, meth lab need to go to rehab level bullshit, and that was my oh, fault. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> meth lab rehab there. over here. You didn't uh, tell me there was meth was involved. Bad. I'm in. Like, we're talking I didn't have all the races, because I didn't buy a, a rebuild kit, because it was the fucking 50. I didn't want to deal with it. Uh, I didn't know that the races had cracked in half so i can't use those but i have a pile of bearings and one of them fit it just wasn't quite deep enough so i shimmed the fuck out of it to get it all to line up uh we uh, we checked the pattern by uh um uh what's, what's, no 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 what's what's the um <laughs> buckley or archie used a funny term last night uh the Icrometers. We <laughs> used the icrometers to measure that shit. We got backlash, <laughs> uh, you know, by sound. <laughs> oh it wasn't. God. It wasn't a, not my not my finest moment. I'll say, and it 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 kicked me in the ass. So, um, did you ever take your four two apart? What four two? No, I, it's sitting on the uh, the, the oh motors. Oh my! Uh, it's gosh. sitting on a stand. We put it oh, on the stand yesterday. My God. I didn't see you ripping it apart. Um, it's yeah. on my fucking motor. I ain't touching that junk. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't ask for my assistance. I would have loved to. No, you didn't want to be at Marvel's yesterday. I don't know what happened, but about 7 o'clock, there was this absolutely rancid smell. Like, it smelled like, uh, like open uh, septic tank. And it just oh. came out of nowhere. It, and uh, it was incredibly dense, is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it was. None of us could figure it out. So we had to, like, step away. I wasn't working on that fucking motor with that shit. Uh, but it was, like, it was, it was probably one of the worst things I've ever smelled. What are you doing for a new one in yours now? Putting his dick in it. Yeah. Oh, that episode doesn't hasn't come out yet. Yeah, that comes out um, Thursday. So the plan for that thing is um, I'm probably not going to have the new motor built for uh, AOP or um, the other trip in Missouri I'm going on to in May. 
Well, don't but tell us that because that's not a hundred percent true. I don't. I don't think it's going to get done. I don't have faith that the machine shop. There's will... a chance, hey, but it's. You don't set dates, and it'll work out better. Mm, exactly. exactly. I'm not. I'm. I'm not worried about it. Worst case, I take the other motor, slap it in, and we blow it up. Uh, and then I put the stroker in. But I'm putting a stroker in, and I'm doing a like a cheap and dirty four six. But I'm talking to the right people, or at least I think I'm talking to the right people. They built strokers. They built plenty of them. Uh, the guy from Golan gave me a bunch of advice. He does. He built a whole bunch of strokers. Um, just like general advice, and um, I. I I have, I've, I don't know if I have faith in it yet. Jeremy Downs was, uh, who's I, I, I got the motor from him, the four two from him, uh, was was sort of, you know, he he's had some bad experiences with his, so he wasn't super confident in it. His blew up in like two thousand miles, which is kind of a shame. Another reason, Cody, I say it's not going to be done before AOP and all that is I'm if I do somehow get it done, it's going to have absolutely no break in on it. And then uh, I'm going to be sitting okay. on no, 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 a no. fucking motor. Okay, first off, I don't... Is this your first time building a motor? No. I've okay. built plenty with Jacob. We've, we've built Okay, but do you two. know that the break-in period is bullshit, right? It's either going to blow up or it's not. The break-in period is some <laughs> dog shit that they came up there, with. The to cam make you definitely needs a break-in, bucko. No, it fucking doesn't. Let it eat limiter. If it blows up, it oh blows up. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It means you either built it well Are you, are you paying for it, it if it blows up and I don't uh, no, no, uh, no, no, do no, a break-in? No. No, no, no. Here, how about you build another one? You can let yours brand new sit on rev limiter, and I'll break mine in Run. and see which one lasts Run. longer. If you build it right, it'll be fine. We're not building it right. We're building it cheap with the right parts. So <laughs> that it's going to die from rev limiter regardless. No. If it's, I'm telling you, obviously, like, obviously, you need to let it get to running temperature. Otherwise, you'll have the fucking piston heat up more than the fucking walls of the block. All right. I understand that. But Cody, again, it's master. either blow up <laughs> or it don't blow up. I mean, I haven't built. I built two actual motors. I helped. Build a 350, and then I rebuilt a 4.0 way back when. Granted, I don't know where the fuck the 4.0 is nowadays, but we don't have to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And I have built a retarded amount of quad motors, dirt bike motors, four strokes, two strokes, all Those that. Those are different. The tolerance. Doesn't matter. Oh my god! Is there a crank? Yes. Is there a cam? Yes. Is there fucking pistons? Yes. Piston rings? Yep. All that shit. So what's are the difference? Pistons. <laughs> it's, but I'm saying it's still the same idea. It's just one over. Four, eight, six, two—like it don't matter. I yeah. just when I do anything like that comes along those lines of running a new motor, fresh motor. I'd I'd say one trip, change oil. Yep, <laughs> and then you're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that's all I need. I'll I'll trust the experts here. Clearly, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I've never put my own motor together. I always just help. I just do what I'm told. I've this done a lot of small one. engines. Stuff, but not like whole car engines. I've been around a couple, but to I mean, be to be fair, a break-in period will show signs, like preliminary signs, if there is going to be a minor failure or a minor part will fail, which then obviously you could replace it before it like blows the motor. But gotcha. in, if a major component is going to blow up, it's going to blow up regardless of if you have thirty miles on it or if you have two thousand miles on it. Yeah, that's fair. And I think the the best advice, and I think I've you know I have found this out myself with other parts that I've rebuilt, is is just 
checking for um you know if, if things are binding right if you're putting something together and you're uh whether that be a steering box or a motor steering box you can't really check till you have it together obviously if it doesn't turn after you rebuilt it you rebuilt it wrong because they're supposed to turn or if it turns really hard something's not right i imagine it's the same with a motor you put it together right it should turn uh with with no head on it or with you know without compression uh hanging it up in any spot so uh i think we're just gonna follow that principle lube everything up um and and do a light break in to make sure it's not going to Old immediately die throttle wide Does open and involve alcohol it probably will it probably will <laughs> <laughs> not as it's oh, God. <laughs> probably not a good evening ranch at nighttime break in but <laughs> mm. well, my, like my poor drive time. shafts i mean they couldn't even handle a you know a clapped normal 4 i don't know how they're gonna handle the uh a hot piece of shit stroker <laughs> motor probably not much better traction bar goodbye yeah, <laughs> yeah. see you Why next just, year just beef it up it'll it. be fine I've welded it on so many times. I don't know if it's. I think it's just like I'm welding to the previous welds, and it's just ripping that shit weld off. I don't know. I added more bracing, so it's got more connection points. Hopefully, that holds it. It's not. Okay, Richie, way to be a pessimist. Wow, Richie, the few times he spoke. I hope your traction bar breaks off. I don't. That's rude, Graham. That's not very nice. Oh. Yeah. Well, if you did, it would break off. Well, if he he doesn't even wheel <laughs> hard enough to need a traction bar, so this is all moo. Exactly. Moo? Did you say this moot. is all moo? It's all moo. All moot. moo. Moot? Yeah. Like uh, it what doesn't matter. Fuck? Google. You never heard that? Yeah. Google's gonna. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, Google that shit. Well, you're googling that shit. Let's go and bother the guest about where he likes to wheel, because I don't know if we covered that Subject yet. Subject to debate whether they have been successful or not was a moot point. All right. There you go. All right. All right. All right. Sorry, I couldn't type as Blue fast as language Instagram. Podcast. Yeah, Morgan's been reading the dictionary to me every night. It helps my That's vocabulary. So the whole dictionary. <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me. No, I was gonna say I hate to think, but that's probably fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Gage, where do you normally go wheeling? Because we definitely met up with you at Good Evening, and that was a wild fucking trip. But like, where else do you wheel? Well, that was my first time there, and I, that was a great place. That place is definitely on the, the list for this year to go back to. Well, I suppose then this would be a really good time to interject and say that you're more than welcome to come back for the uh, Labor Day weekend run we've got planned there. Oh, I was already planning on that one. Awesome. <laughs> I was like, that one's definitely happening. Uh, it's going to be a party. Getting to that. Um, that one probably going to turn into like my bachelor party at the same time so oh, oh fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean besides good evening ranch i mean we got we got a good bit of wheeling around us but i would say our my favorite place is the stuff i've been wheeling on for years with my dad and it's it's like and not even an hour from where he lives over here in pennsylvania crossover to ohio and it's uh a lot of people call it wellsville a lot of people call it yellow creek hmm. but uh i live like 25 minutes from it now and i can get in there and get out there's a bunch of wheel in there i mean 
some of the stuff there is like very good evening like and then but it's a way bigger place mm-hmm. and, and there's other stuff there that gets way worse than good evening <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've heard a lot about this this spot um from many people i think at this point from that area it's it's, it seems like an interesting park. It's definitely a favorite. I I mean, I've been going there for years. I've gone to other places. I've traveled all the way. I don't know. I've been in Utah and Tennessee and kind of all over. I mean, I've been to, I don't remember some of them, but I've been to some of the other ones. Like when I was real little, I went to the, uh, the Badlands and uh, oh, I can't think of that other one. It's going to be opening back up. Paragon? Yeah, Paragon. I went there when I was really little when my dad was competing. And I remember some of like, I can still picture some of like the, uh, some of the obstacles for their event there. And it was like the terrain was awesome. But even with all that, I sometimes I'd just rather totally pick a weekend here at home. It's just the wheeling so good and so close to home. It's so, so worth it. Yeah, it's hard to beat the stuff that's close to you. I feel that. Especially when you go new places and you gotta kind of map it out and learn. Yeah, there's it's there, it's like comfort comfort food, right? You can just go yeah. back to your spot. You know where all how the, all the obstacles are, yeah, and know what you're gonna do for the day. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what's in store. So I was talking with um, Colton Ringold, uh, IB Jeepin, and we barely scratched the surface on Good Evening. Like we hit some of the stuff, but we didn't get anywhere near the buggy trails. So there's yeah, a I bunch mean, more. We didn't even find the Wendigo, so <laughs> like we got to try harder. Clearly, that's this year's goal, apparently. <laughs> Not my goal, Graham's goal. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to get into some more stuff down there this time. And yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, it's going to be a decent little run, I'm thinking. And by little, it sounds like right now we have. I think there's 25 confirmed yeses. Jeez uh, Louise. And that's like people that have it marked on their calendars now. That's not even counting the people that are like going to be showing up. So it's probably going to end up being bigger than last year's Roush uh, run. I have like two or three more guys that are probably going to be tagging along. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying. One that I told you, I, I kind of got him into off-roading by giving him my, my first Jeep. He has like a rock bouncer that he built, and I'm trying to get him to come down for that. Nice. <laughs> so, what was your thoughts on the Good Evening trip last year? Because it seemed like you had a little bit of a rocky start. Well, yeah, there was there was definitely a rocky start, especially for driving a couple hours down there to uh, have problems immediately. <laughs> but uh, as soon as we got that out of the way, my I mean one of the most awesome parts was is like where good evening ranch is. It's a 15 minute drive to town and there's so many options for parts stores or tractor supply, whatever you need to, you can go get pretty much whatever to fix what you need either way. I mean, there's, there's stuff there and I was able to, I don't know. I can't remember if I ran out or one of you guys ended up getting it, but we got a factory steering line off of like, I don't know. I think we went with a Cherokee. Just picked yep. one. <laughs> Threads worked, and we ran I, it, and I was able to keep wheeling the rest of the day. But it 
That was me and Jake that went and got it, and it was a 94 Cherokee is what we decided on. Yeah, I mean, it, it ended up working. I was just happy to be able to start getting on the trails. We got out there, and you guys were already doing a little bit of stuff. Somebody, a couple guys had late starts, and uh, we... We, we definitely had a late start. <laughs> we got out there. Yeah, we start late. <laughs> I think, did we go straight over to, like, we took... We took like a light trail all the way over to like Cripple Creek and then we yep. we went up that like first thing and yep. right away I was like, that was like some of the first, I mean, I tested it at home and did some hard stuff with it, but that was like the first time I was like, all right, I got to put it in a situation and we're going to drive out of it without like <laughs> really feeling like I never got it so far into some spots that like I knew where body roll points were like i really only took it on like two at home trips for day rides before that. So that was kind of a bad thing, but at the same time, I mean, we got out there and after that, the only problem, the only little other little hiccup I had was it was, it was overcharging, but I didn't have anything that needed power. So we just unhooked the charging system and I drove it around all day and, <laughs> and do everything. And then everybody wanted to go out at night, and I decided to keep it parked so I didn't drain the battery down with lights. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and Richie can tell you that at least on a two-battery system, you can get about 10 hours worth of driving uh, without the battery going, going, going dead. It, uh, very true. <laughs> We good. thought it was just the gauge. No, it legitimately wasn't <laughs> fucking charging <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, my biggest smart. thing I was worried about was like we'd all be stopping and mine's so loud, like everybody's hanging out for a little bit. I was like, I'm gonna shut it off. So oh, I just, yeah. And I mean the whole time it it didn't really have a problem. And then every once in a while, like if you guys are sitting around a little bit, I'd just start it and i'd hook up the charging system and just let it charge itself some more <laughs> <laughs> so i gotta say when i was spotting for you it was really weird spotting for that thing because of how like it's so front wheel dependent you get one front wheel that decides that it doesn't want to do what it's supposed to do and like you have to reset the whole rig but you get the front end up over something, the rear end just kind of like clumsily thumps its way through with the gum bomb fucking up. The bite, it, it pulls itself right up over. But I, I think a couple problems there. I mean, I think I'm kind of going to take out everything. Like I said, a couple birds with one stone on that. I think the wheelbase is going to help. I think obviously locking it. I got a new locker for the rear finally. So. We're going to get that in. I think that'll help tremendously. Um, oh, yeah. And then as far as that, I think some of that steeper stuff that you're like kind of starting into climbs and there's like more boulder situation with holes and you've got to get spotted up through it. That is where right now with the wheelbase and not being locked, it, it fails unless you catch the right line. Yep. Yeah, what was it? It was the exit to Cripple Creek. You were having a little bit of a less than fun time, it looked like, trying to get that rear axle to get where you needed it to go, and the gov bomb was not helping. When we were 
we were kind of taking like the uh the harder way around where that bouncer was broken in there and trying to get up through that it was a bunch of offset boulders and every trying to every time i try to bump up the ledge it would just slide one way or the other and outline oh, me. was this sort of near the end of the weekend where it was kind of kind of slick but there was like a ledge yeah. that you uh or was this early that was in the creek oh this is okay sorry but, uh, yeah, i know what you're talking about <laughs> i i ended up just kind of deciding i was going to power through it and i ended up i'd back up get myself lined up into to the spot that felt right and you let I Jesus just, take the wheel. I just power braked it and built some, <laughs> and then rolled up through it. <laughs> and it ended up as soon as it jumped the ledge, as soon as it bumped up over that, it was good. It, yep. it got up over that, and then it was pulling. It was just that one ledge, and then it started pulling itself up through the whole rest of it like it was a cakewalk. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was amazed at how easily you were able to get through. Um. The rocks right at the top there where everyone else was getting fucked up on you just I took a different wait. line because when i bumped up over that i it kept me my ass end got slid to the right more so my front end was facing more left up the hill so i had to turn hard right but i was taking like basically just a wider turn than everybody else up through that and i don't know my droop was just so ridiculous that it was just dropping into these holes but still having touching the ground getting traction and i'm driving through it and then coming around the edge i'm up on the edge by this tree and it it held it all the way around somehow and kind of walked over the two rocks that everybody was kind of splitting before yeah but i I totally thought your rear was just gonna be a boat anchor for you but you just dragged it right through oh yeah yeah i Sometimes I do think that I still I don't I didn't shave the rear yet I only shaved the front so yeah forty twos helps well, yeah the way you're going the rear's gonna shave itself <laughs> <laughs> I throw the anchor out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean but I mean so the one thing that I did want to mention about the whole thing was I think it was Luke I was talking to while we were there and. He was asking some questions about it, like uh, like the motor and if it was all stock or whatever. And as of now, the whole motor is stock with 160,000 miles. And that was what I pulled it out of the truck with, put it right in there. And the only thing that is done to it is the f- stock fuel screw is turned in some. And I am looking at some changes this year. It's a non-intercooled engine. I want to. Uh, I was looking into like Subaru intercoolers to top mount over the engine to try and get oh shit a little cool. bit of help. I'm gonna upgrade the turbo to the H- the HX35, and I'm gonna do a fuel pin, and then that's just for this year. And then from then on, it's gonna turn into a P pump and injectors and nitrous. We'll, we'll get more out of it. Um, <laughs> nitrous. Nitrous. If it doesn't do what I want and it ends up low and rowdy, if it ends up a like once I get it to drop down, I get that width and that length. If it if it kind of responds suspension wise, how my my TJ did with the LS, and it's just like it doesn't want to wake up 
early enough, then I honestly, nitrous isn't out of the question because I go <laughs> about it. If it came down to it, I mean, it's not going to be a right now thing. It's not even, in, it's not even on the paper for an idea at the moment, but it's, it's in my head if it's needed. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking that by the time that you intercool it, if you throw a decent little fuel plate at it and the HX35, that should be enough to get you into, like, because factory, those were 160 horsepower and 400 foot-pounds, so you should be somewhere in, like, the mid-280s, I would reckon. It's, uh, from doing all that stuff, it says it's it's close to three. So that's... I'm. Honestly, that's a stock LS almost, so yep. that's all I'm looking for. But you should also be at, like, fucking 750, 800 foot-pounds of torque. Yeah, so their stuff's probably going to suffer, parts-wise, but <laughs> I will be <laughs> upgrading drivetrain at the same time as turbos and fuel. <laughs> That'll be rowdy as fuck, though. Uh, it's. I wanted to get together and have it like, like I said, I had to get a, like motivation rides going, and I, that is happening. And now I got, I'm getting it going. I have more things I want to do to it, like the stretch and now the front axle and all that stuff. I just want to change some things to make it more. I want it to react how I want it to, and then you just when you're sitting in a seat driving, rock crawling you want to have a certain feeling that it feels drivable and it does, but there's also times it, it does not at all, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's more of like body roll situations. And like I said, trying to have boost to light it up soon enough, but I'm hoping some of those upgrades will change that. And I mean, I'm sure they will. It'll slowly make its way to more of what I want. And then, once I get it so far, then it's just changing things for fun. Yeah. I'm excited to see more and more of this thing. It's just such a cool idea that we don't really see that often around here. So oh, everybody's all into the light stuff. Everybody you talk to, it's all light buggies. And here yeah, you are putting buggy. a fucking 12 valve in a YJ, that which I know be- is only 300 pounds more, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's not the light motor that you should be choosing. <laughs> so, the it's internet says like, you're wrong. It's scary. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a scary thought. Like when I first <laughs> was thinking about it, I was I actually went on vacation to Arizona and I was like already Jeeps pulled into the garage, already starting to get stuff done to get the motor out. And I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy an LS for it, I'm gonna LS swap it. And then it was like the first day of vacation. I find on marketplace this whole W three fifty coming for sale, the whole truck. <laughs> And it was like three grand and it was on uh one ton axles. It, it was a W three fifty four drive with the kingpin front axle and just whatever rear. Mm-hmm. And it was on like forty six inch military tires and like uh some twenty inch Laramie wheels. And I was like, Oh, I can get money out of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, Hey man, if you want to sell this, I was like, I'll buy it as soon as I get home. I was like, I'll venue, I'll Venmo you money right now to hold it or whatever. And he's like, Oh no, man, I I trust you. If you want it, it's yours. And I was like, Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was like a day after I got home from the trip. I loaded up my gooseneck and I drove out and picked it up. 
and then I got back, I ripped the motor out of it, ripped the motor out of the Jeep, started on the process. And I had a buddy call me that wanted to get into off-roading and he was super big on old Dodges. And I was like, Hey man, I have a truck. The Dodge for you. He bought it (laughs) off me for 1500 bucks. He got the Kingpin 60 front and those 46 inch tires and stuff. I was like, take it. So I got a, and I got the motor trans and a 205 case and then a spare transmission for me <laughs> for 1500 bucks so uh, that. that's like ls prices oh i was like this this is working out too good i kind of gotta go in there now <laughs> but then i ran into some big problems uh the one of the biggest ones was i already ordered my eco box doubler it was at my house and I was like, I ordered it for my last Jeep because I was just going to put a doubler in it. And I was like, oh, I'll just build a new one. Exactly what I want. And I'll put this in that. Mm-hmm. Well, then things changed and I wasn't LS swapping it. And I called Northwest Fab and they were like, oh, no, man, good news. We have the Chevy pattern for transmission on that eco box and the Dodge pattern. So you can just bolt it up to the Dodge transmission. Nice. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and, sick. and the guy walked me through because my then the hardest thing was finding an input shaft to accept to the Torque Flight 727 because it had a uh, the output shaft spline count was like a spline count that you wouldn't really find in any of these transfer cases that were for one tons. It was yeah, a 20- 23 or something at the time and i ended up i was already just keeping moving i pulled the transfer case that was in my jeep out of it and somebody had bought a it was a 231 with an sye on it and somebody bought a uh, clock ring for it well whatever clock ring kit they bought came with a bigger beefier extended 23 spline input shaft and i pulled it all apart and i mic'd it and i called the guy at northwest fab and he's like no that year should work he said the tolerance should should be exactly the same and i pulled it out put it in the the doubler and it slid right into the right into the dodge so i kind of had had parts lining up for me and i was like man this is super strange (laughs) (laughs) why is everything working (laughs) that was exactly how it happened and i one of my buddies that I had the Jeep at his house while I was doing this. He's helping me. We're going through stuff. And he, like, I start lining stuff up, putting it together. And I slide that piece on. And he, I, we were, I was telling him the whole time, like, I'm so worried. This is not going to fit. I feel like it's going to, everything's going to be loose. Everything's going to be bad. I'm going to have a problem finding this stuff. And we get it all in there and get it together. And like, it was like kind of one thing after another that was just lining up. And after that lined up, he was like, we're just sitting there for a second. And I'll, out of nowhere, he's like, you know, I kind of hate you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? He's like, this shit always happens to you. <laughs> uh, oh, it's not quite a good show, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> but, yeah, I was I was surprised that everything kind of came together as, as good as it did. Then it was just building drive shafts, but I was, I was happy with it. So... Sorry. Go ahead. No, Cody. Yeah, I was just going to say that's really fucking awesome that it all kind of worked out. And I don't blame you for now doing all the old ensemble after having such a 
quote unquote easy run at it. I'm gonna say quote unquote because I'm sure that's just the Hollywood side of it. You know, I'm sure the nitty gritty is <laughs> <were> crazy. <laughs> I did a lot of research just to make sure how everything was, and it it was just it felt so strange that I just kept managing to have parts falling into my lap like they were just there already i just they pulled were the apart. right ones that you had what you needed already yeah well because when i talked to the guy with northwest fab that was the scariest part is he was like oh you're gonna have to watch there's years that uh you get into these cases and uh stuff changes like they change the tolerances on those input shafts it'll be 23 spline but the side for the bearing is going to be wrong i was like mm. oh here we go <laughs> and it just I don't even know how it ended up being right, but it was just hope I don't ever break it because I don't know where to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the good news is that hopefully it'll be a, you know, something unrelated at the moment. Once you go and put like 1410s on there, that you're on your own, buddy, at that point. But, you know, <laughs> um, 1310s, you're not going to hurt it. So that's cool. Yeah, um, I'm not going to that power to it. So, the autism brain has spat out two questions that are completely unrelated, but what are you doing for keeping the RPMs where they need to be, given that it's like a diesel and I forget how the first gens limit their RPMs? And then second, do you have plans on going crazy with the cage for it because of the weight? So, one, I'm still researching on how to set up like kind of a limit for where it governs itself you know i gotta look into that more like i've messed around with a lot of 12 valves and uh i've had a couple and just kind of been diving into them and this is the first one that i like totally tore down and like did a bunch of stuff too while i was in there and it, it just it's been a new experience um my old ones, all I ever did was like, oh, let me just add a fuel pin. Uh, I mean, add a turbo and just let it go, you know, just run it. I never really worried about anything. But, uh, and I don't know how much I really have to because when I, when I, I mean, I'm sure somebody out there is going to be like, oh, you got to worry. <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I uh, ran my old first gen, I had an HX35 on it. It had, I can't, I think it was like 5% over injectors, like, or so, like something. It was just, they were upgraded injectors already in the truck. And uh, HX35 with a wicked wheel on it. And I had a fuel pin in that. And that thing, I mean, I just had a blast just driving that truck around. It was like, it was powerful. It was fun. And it, it revved so much like higher than what I, what I have in that now. And, so I'm not really afraid to push that, especially after like watching these trucks on dynos and all that stuff. They're just, they're making these things insane nowadays, but yep. uh, I, I don't think I'm gonna have so much of a problem with that one. Um, like I said, still looking into it to make sure I don't go crazy, hurt stuff. I want it to be good for the long run too, but uh definitely looking into that and then what was your second question 
when it comes to the roll cage, do you have plans to kind of like go crazy with it? You know, go through the floor with the A pillars and like maybe run through the firewall up front to tie everything in? So, yes. The only reason I haven't done any cage work yet is because I want to stretch the tub in the frame. And I don't want perfect to sense. change anything again, like waste the money on the DOM. But so we're, we're going to get to that. I'm going to stretch the body. Then I'm going to do the cage right there at the same time. And in the rear where the cage mounts come down and they mount to your like square inner fender wells, there's already on the bottom, uh, it comes up from the frame to those and they sandwich together and meet. So it's secured to the frame, like pretty strong already there. In the front, it's just standard. So we're going to bring that down, tie it down past like your dash tight with the door seams and get that down tie it into the frame i want like i want a nice cage i want it to hold up it needs to be strong because if it rolls that's a lot of weight to be thrown around mm-hmm. yeah true. that's sorry no you're good i was just agreeing very <laughs> true that's why i was asking about like maybe pulling the dash and running it down through the window pillar area with like a two inch diameter pillar for that um and going a little bit overboard with it run through the firewall and really tie everything together because of the absolute amount of weight that you have thrown around. Yeah, it's 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 probably going to be looked at for structurally tying it in any way we can because I I want the strength there. One cuz it's heavy and two cuz I take my family out in it and my little girl loves to go out in it and drive like I just I build it to have fun, so I want to be able to take everybody out, have a good time, and not have to worry. Absolutely. So, let's see. I think that kind of covers my questions for you. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I think we've answered all the questions. No, I have another <laughs> fucking question, Graham. <laughs> Making fun of him. I Thank don't see you. you trying to do something. Jeez. Anyways, uh, did we did we completely gloss over the rear suspension on that, or am I retarded? Uh, we just talked about it had short rear links, but it is... Okay, so that's... Gotcha, gotcha. I'm So I missed that little section. I thought you were saying that the front links were short, but the rear is still a four-link setup. And are the you front kidding? links are about 40 inches long. The rear links are, like I said, they're just a little over two foot, I think. And, oh, shit. Okay. But, but there, there's coil spring brackets in there right now that have, like, the ones that sandwich to the, uh, the axle or, like, pinch it down with the pinch bolts and all that. But it also has cut into the frame right now that the shocks just regular shocks are right there at the moment but it has fully like cut in notched into the frame uh shock towers so i can just swap over to some air shocks or something which is my plan i want to stretch it and then go to some air shocks in the rear and uh kind of i mean just do add-ons like that just the stuff that it kind of needs to get to that next step. Mm-hmm. Air shocks is an interesting choice. Especially with already having somewhat unloading issues. I agree. <laughs> I don't know what well, your best one, plan of action the there is. is. is it is Leaf spring. One, it is stiff in the rear with those coils right now. Actually, it's not as bad because I changed them. But uh, still, 
it's it's definitely stiff because the tires are so close to being under your ass. Like it's just the yes. wheelbase so short in the rear that it just feels like a damn bouncer house. <laughs> the front rides like a Cadillac. The rear yep. is is the problem. Yeah. So what if you did an opposite effect in the rear to counteract the body roll? Like make a cantilever in the rear? Yes, but backwards. <laughs> do the coilovers <laughs> off of the axle. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. No, it's heavy. Let's just add more weight. No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Now, to really settle into the rear cantilever, do a 12 valve in reverse going to a like junction box, whatever they fucking call those things on like the, uh, what are they called? Oh my God, I'm blanking. But yeah, just rear mount a 12 valve backwards and then you'll just have all the power and then you'll have a reason to do the can- cantilevers in the rear. Well, that's, yeah. we, I was looking at coilovers, but it, that's another thing in the back. It's tight because of those, because of that damn rear axle being narrow. Mm. And, I'm. I know I can fit air shocks. Coilovers, they look like they may rub. Um, but we looked into. Can't remember. My dad was doing a bunch of research on it for his new one that he's building. I think it was maybe the ORIs. No, I can't remember. I, I'll just have to double check with him. But he's looking at. He was been looking into these other air shocks that uh, everybody is saying that they're almost exactly responsive like the, almost the same as like coolovers like they run great so mm. i am he's really, lying to you <laughs> i am i am really i don't think it's ORIs, but you have bad friends <laughs> well no it's this is this is literally like you go like i've been searching all online and all these guys are saying like these things are freaking great they're the future of air shocks they're completely different so huh. It's been a minute since I've been looking at it, but he's probably buying the same ones for his build. So I think he still got them saved around for whatever ones we were looking at. And I think that's probably going to be the direction I go. And I'm still going to put a rear spare tire carrier on and carry my other 42 to kind of help balance that heavy front. I mean, it's heavy. It'll be extra heavy with my anchor, but... Nah, that's not a horrible idea. Actually, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think you probably could get away with it. With all the weight in the front, if you put the tire in the back with the with the air shocks and keep it uh, keep uh, it settled, basically, yeah. keep it down, and might yeah. keep reacting. You'd have, right. you'd have to see how it would how it handled on those downhills. Still, see what what how it behaved. But I'm I don't just know. hoping long enough that the t- the front tires will touch the bottom of the hill first. <laughs> <laughs> Not all hills are that short. No, um, no they're not. <laughs> and those are the ones that you really don't want to slide down. <laughs> no. I tell you, if it's raining and I see a hill that looks that steep, that if anybody light slides down at first, I'm going to find a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, been there. Not fun. Alrighty, well, we're slowly wrapping up on our two-hour mark here. Um, figured before we wrap this shit up, does anybody have anything else to fill in? Richie, do you have an animal fact? Because if you don't, I fucking have one, and it's gonna knock your socks off. 
knocked my socks off, Cody. All righty, all righty. So, did you know that an octopus... Yes, Graham, it's this. It's this I know, one. I was, I was um, waiting for it. I was, I was going to bug you about it if you didn't mention it. So, an octopus has eight legs. And on a male octopus, one of its eight legs is actually its penis. I'm not even joking. At the end of the tentacle, it has like a little cum sack. I'm not joking. And on a female... So, actually, with a... With octopus, they have a carnivorous uh, fornication, if you will. And what will happen is the male, when it you know does his business, the female will actually eat the male octopus. But so what these guys do is they'll just stretch their little penis tentacle all the way out, fucking get in there, do the little crazy jig, and they'll actually just separate their arm, so that way the female can't eat them, and females will literally just swim around with a tentacle penis hanging off of them nine legs yeah knowledge <laughs> what happened i actually thought that was common knowledge oh my god richie yeah do you know how many hearts they have no i don't know this one i they have more than one heart i think it's like it, three or it, something two or three what huh. animal is this octopus octopuses have three hearts yeah and worms have seven or something jesus christ that's wild holy shit overcompensating see at least they have a (laughs) backup you know (laughs) a backup (laughs) did you know that octopuses have donut shaped brains what the so do you that's Uh, not a you know that's not an animal whoa whoa that's autism abuse and they do have three hearts there it is that's All right, crazy. What the so, fuck? Gage, do you have any questions for us? Well, I heard you guys ask it in the past. What's your guys' favorite tire? Oh, Ooh, shit. Let me tell you, boy. Sit down, <laughs> get the popcorn. It's them good old genital well, grabbers. I, I guess we need to specify for a sticky or non-sticky also. but Oh, well, I have not personally run sticky, so this will be a really good answer for me. Uh, it'd just be the the general grabber X MTX threes, uh, fantastic tire. I have somehow turned it into a cult following. Uh, all of my close <laughs> friends around me. You have didn't now... start it. I bought them. Oh, who started? Oh, suck my I balls. Them first. Okay, okay. I ran them before you did, Cody. Too. I don't give a fuck. I didn't hear you guys <laughs> reaching to the hot heavens about them like I do. Okay, I don't want to hear it. I'm out here singing their sweet song, and it just—I don't know. Honestly, they're just a great tire. They work well. They have a little bit of soft sidewall, but so does fucking everything. That's not a a raised tire. So yeah, that's, that'd be my answer. Good answer. Good answer. I'm a Maxis fanboy. I like, uh, although. I've heard mixed reviews about the sticky comp traps or the comp traps. They're sticky is a redundant word there. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I enjoyed the radials, the, just the trep radials when I had them in the 37. Um, I'm really liking the, the Maxis razors. I think they ride better on the road. Uh, I haven't worn them down, um, uh, to a point where they start driving poorly on the road. The treps would is do great up until on, uh, good evening. Yes. Yeah. Same tires, the Maxxis razors. I like um, them. They seem to work good. Yeah, they do. They definitely do on, on dry rock. They're really good on wet stuff. They hold their own. They're not the greatest, but they're not horrible. Um, and you know, they, 
They don't do amazing in the snow, but actually, they didn't do horrible. Uh, not the greatest tire, but it doesn't matter when your motor blows up, so <laughs> didn't, didn't get to test them as much as uh, I wanted to, but we got a, a little bit of snow miles. I will say, like, road driving with the snow, it, it's, they're they're okay. Um, but pretty decent all-around tire. I haven't blown one up yet. I haven't bought a spare, which is uh, a problem, because the more I tout that I haven't blown a sidewall, the more likely they're going to blow, but... I mean, I've I got a whole, a whole year out of just those four, and I had, didn't have to do shit, so I wouldn't be mad if one blew up now. Um, yeah, because of something stupid, and yeah, uh, I'd I'd say the razors just because of uh, compared to the traps that I used to have and all the other stuff I've run, which is an incredible list. Uh, I've had good luck with them, and everybody I've talked to who's been like, "Oh yeah, I ran those," are people who pointed me towards them have really liked them and have tried more tires than me so um a good tire i like them yeah I, i'm a big fan of my nittos but i also really like the traps i would say that they're kind of like a fairly even tie as far as my experience goes because i ran the uh trep radials before graham did and they were just a good tire um, they had really good off-road traction. I never really ran them that much on the road, um, but I really like the Nittos for the fact that they can just take an absolutely stupid amount of abuse. Um, yeah, I have noticed that. Like, you've seen my driving. Uh, Graham's seen a lot of my driving. Cody and Richie as well. Like, those tires have taken some fucking shit. And they just kind of just keep trucking on they're not the like there are times where other people will have better traction but there are also times where i will go through something like dropping the entire jeep on it to the point where the rim is bent and like the tire is literally blown inside of the wheel well and the tire is fine the rim is unsavable you know yeah. like so they're just good for me um think i might actually unless you've got experience with stickies i might be the only person that's ran a set of race tires here um uh, i've i've ran stickies well just recently and it, it definitely makes a difference <laughs> so we're gonna fire up the way back machine um on my old xj i was able to get a set of 35 um general grabber like the og1 race tires I don't know if they count as a full sticky, but they were the, the quote unquote. Tires. Yeah, the turf tires. They, they were, were the a competition compound, <laughs> and they were just okay. Like they grabbed dry rocks, amazing. Um, they broke the fuck out of a Dana forty four, and that's it. That's all I have. <laughs> they they sucked in the any time that it was wet. They sucked in the snow. Um, they were horrendous in mud. Yeah, like, just straight up bounce that motherfucker off the rev limiter and hope that you can, like, dry off a rock enough to get some traction somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, I guess they found traction, though, because apparently I split a full case Detroit running them. Oh. So. The shaft and, stayed intact first? Oh, uh, uh, 
I went through so many front end parts on that 44 that I'm like over 44s entirely. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough of them break apart that I don't even want to deal with one. <laughs> yeah, I, I quit counting when it was like, I blew two shafts, I think, but it was like eight U-joints. Um, I used to take the stub shafts out, and I had a early Bronco 44, so there was a couple of times where I took the stub shaft out, took the locking hub out, and blew the fucking um, spindle open, so I couldn't even get the fucking bearings off, and the wheel would almost lock up. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like they had enough traction, though. <laughs> they they did, but they didn't at the same time. It was like... It was like same price, same situation as my Swampers, is when you hit, like, certain terrains, they sucked. And rocks, they were great. It was just... It was a weird thing. I, I mean, I don't even expect these tires to hook that great on rocks because they're not as sticky or anything, but they do well. But I... Yeah. I had to pick again for a non-sticky tire. These swampers that I have on mine right now, I am, I am at a point of. I mean, they're like three-quarter tread. But I just watching my dad's with the STT Pros that he bought. I'm about to just go buy a set and slap them on mine. Hey, I'm really, really tempted because Interco is releasing the IROC. Um, 40s in a like actually normal size 40 by 13 5r17 with the sx compound and sx sidewalls i want to get a set of those really fucking bad or a set of the baja boss um stickies i think the baja boss stickies would be pretty cool they mm. would but i just have speaking of, speaking of set, I, we think we couldn't even tell the tires were so bald they were 42 swampers. You could just tell by the shape of the tread. But even the sides were so worn off. Like this person had, whoever had these tires had to be doing moon buggy shit. Because it's <laughs> so bald. Like you couldn't even see like the lettering on the side. Holy shit. <laughs> unless, they, unless they trimmed them and then drove the living shit out of them. Which... Like, there was no edge of tread anywhere. Like you could feel a little bit of a raised spot on the tire and that was like the first set of 42s i had because i bought my comanche and it came as a full project i had to build like get everything retrust the front axle and do all kinds of stuff i got it done for a new year's ride we went out and i'm like man i'm gonna get stuck everywhere well on the mud i was like i mean they were just i mean they were there was no tread like i don't know how i was going places but they were doing okay, about normal as any other tire on mud. And then I got to like these waterfall climbs and stuff. And it was just like the absolute first time taking it out. And it was just walking things, like not even trying to slip a tire. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, these things are so bold. <laughs> and I was at that time, we were like, these, these got to be stickies or something. But like, I had no idea. But I ended up getting rid of them because they were just so far gone. No clue, dude. But that would make sense. They might have been like 43s to begin with, and they were so <laughs> worn down. <laughs> uh, it, it's always nice when things are going to the point where you're just, how is this working? But it's in a good way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like my favorite thing to happen. <laughs> 
better than uh, uh, why isn't this working? This cost me this much money. Uh, oh yeah, are, uh... especially if it's like an all day event of why isn't this working? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, like my snowplow hydro lines. <laughs> <laughs> are those working or not working? Those are working, and I have no clue how they're still working. I went and looked at the Jeep the other day, and they're, like, fucking worn through. There's, like, metal shards hanging off of them, and I'm like, oh, right, well, this is getting changed. <laughs> what is the thread pattern on her fault? Just go to Tractor Supply and change them out. Yeah, get some I've new got, ones. You can get, them by the the, uh, get the Quick Connect ones. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Um, no, they're just standard, I think, what is it? Uh, yeah, they're SAE or not SAE, or AN6. AEN or JIC or whatever. But on that note, Graham, take it away. Uh, or not. Are we taking it away on an outro? I thought no, that's where else would be fucking it. taking it, Graham? Uh, I don't know. Where's your brain? Keep your <laughs> octopus dicks in your pants, your cantilevers pivoting, I guess. Yeah, there we go.